Gremlins must have added extra because I was like, <laughs> I was outside wired. setting up Halloween decorations. That and America- I felt like I was fucking dying. The Americana you brought me the other day, I like got sick off of that. I'm blaming that because I was <laughs> sick that night. You look like, oh, well, you look the whole time we were talking, you look like you had to take a really bad shit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we're so we're on. So. Yeah. So welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life. Love and recovery. All I'm, you need is love. I'm Nat. I'm Mike. And Whatever. Welcome, welcome to a, another exciting week here on uh, the Middle Ages Recovery Podcast. Exciting. So much excitement. Yeah. Um, we had a really cool thing happen. Um, we appeared on Church and Other Drugs podcast with Jed. We did. Um, so uh, check it out. I think it went really well. It was our first appearance on a I would call it a uh, a, a, a well listened to podcast. Uh, it's a it's a really cool podcast, and Jed's awesome. Uh, so you know, download that, get him on um, uh, the Apple Podcasts, Church, and other drugs, and we're the most recent episode. Can I can I just say something? Yeah, we um, we did the show from from the storeroom. We ran it through the board, right. and he called us on Zoom. And by the end of the or somewhere in the middle, I started feeling like we were doing our show. <laughs> I was trying not we to were do just that bullshitting, like you know, back and forth. And poor Jed, I don't think he said like ten words the whole show. And, and then I added one of these, and then yeah. I'm like, this isn't my show. Why am I doing that? I know I felt bad because every time he said something, I was really interested. I'm like, oh, he's really good. You yeah. Know? yeah. So. So um, I've invited uh, Jed uh, to come on to our show. and oh, um, fantastic. I think it would be really cool. Uh, one thing we didn't get into is sort of the religious and the God aspect, which, right. um, as you know, you could tell by the title of his podcast, Church and Other Drugs, there's actually a big spiritual component to what Jed does on that show. Um, and I, I mean, we don't go crazy with that here, but... Um, Obviously, it's something that we're interested in, and I would love to do like a Christmas special where we um, are, you know, we could have Jed on and we could do like... Cuddle Baby Jesus. Yeah, well, man. Yeah, we could do the whole thing. It. We could do, uh, we could sing Silent Night a cappella, <laughs> get some of those douche chills going all throughout the podcast verse. Very, very Is that nice. a word? The pod podverse? I'm not sure what douche chills are, but... <laughs> you know when you see someone who's so douchey, you get chills? Oh, you know, like okay. you get the douche chills. I don't know that I, that I missed that term somewhere yeah. in my upbringing. Cringy. Well, you know, yeah. cringy. Okay. Cr- cr- it's it. like a cringy. Um, yeah. So we had a really great week. Um, there's a couple things, you know, as things happen to us during the week, um, Mike and I talk uh, pretty much every day and uh, as things come up and um, I try and write them down. And one of the things that happened, I thought it was really funny. Um, I'm, I was picking up my son from uh, Mike's house and and l- let me just say that my, Mike's house, it's like a dream house for a 10-year-old. I do have it, a lot of toys. It's a, like, a, it's a, for one thing, gorgeous house. And um, and you go, you walk through, and there's just like guitars. And then there's like dogs, like just cute dogs. And then there's like cool furniture. The kitchen's awesome. And then the doors open up to the backyard. <laughs> and there's my son on an electric scooter, a, a big electric scooter. It definitely it looks- bigger than him. It looks illegal. Not only that, there's- you know, there's a really cool seating area. Then there's like trampoline thing going on. And then there's archery set up and a motorcycle. And I'm like, holy, it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Considering that I'm a lawyer, <laughs> it really makes me nervous when other people's kids come over to my house because it's the term in the law for it is an attractive nuisance. It is and I have attractive yeah. nuisances all over the yard. It looks, a bit, it looks like a dream to me. I'm like, this is where I want to live. I fought my wife over the trampoline, but she won. I said, I said, there's no, we're going to, they're going to, someone's going to take your kid's going to get uh, paralyzed. Somebody's going to take the house. It's going to, it's all over. It's funny. I asked her, I said, do you make a kid sign an insurance waiver when they come play? I suggested that. Yeah. (laughs) It wouldn't be a bad idea. So I did want to, uh, to mention, uh, I returned your kid with also wearing other clothes. That's right. Because he and my son, uh, they blow stuff up. Uh, Aaron said, they blow stuff up and they also, you know, they just turn on the hose and they just shoot themselves, yeah, each other full bore with the hose. Yeah, uh, and whatever. apparently it's it's like reenacting a, a Gallagher performance. There's a lot of smashing of watermelons yes. and yes, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I, it was a good day for for everybody. And yeah, and then um, 
Yeah. So next time I want to come over with my son and I think we could all absolutely go party, play with the guitars. and the Yeah, dogs. man. That's one thing we haven't, we haven't really done is, uh, I used to play the guitar and I've got a couple. And Listen, you went to college for the guitar. So <laughs> it was a long time you're about ago. as far advanced for me well, as, you know, uh, you know, the amoeba is to like a, a, well, an a, elephant or something. Listen, uh, I haven't touched that thing in a while. So <laughs> that's um, what they all say. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Oh, one other thing I wanted to announce that's kind of cool. Um, Mike, I want to say Mike S. from the Dopey Nation who manages their, um, he he books their Dopey Zoom uh, speaker tapes. They have people come on and speak. It's kind of like a 12-step without the 12-step. And so they invited me to, I don't know, tell my story. I'm a little bit anxious about it, but I was happy to oblige and say yes. And so... Thank you very much, and thank you, Mike, for thinking of me. Channeling my energy in uh, today. Yeah, I was hoping we could both do it, so the pressure would be off, you know, so I could just defer to you, like right now. Deferring to I'm you. I'm sorry, what are you waiting on? Uh, you're supposed to take over when I run out of things to say. Oh, Boom. did you run out of things to say? A little bit. Oh, the next thing. Mike had a resentment. I had a resentment. Oh, so yeah. It was a mini resentment. It wasn't like a resentment resentment. Anyway, um... So last week, some of you may recall, um, Nat said something along the lines of, you know, that I was able to just stop drinking and and uh, just move on with my life. And um, it was a bit of know, a flippant comment, we're, sort we're, of in jest. Was I was I really one of us? And I, yeah. it got me. I it I just sort of passed over my head, and then yeah. I got home and I started thinking that motherfucker. Like, what does no. that mean? <laughs> I like, but like, who is us for one thing? Right. Know? And uh, um, it's program speak. Yeah. I that that much I. Got. And but, the, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, but the way that you went about dealing with it, I'm, I was very uh, impressed. Was it very programmed? Is very guy in therapy for a long time. Oh, okay. Which what did is I good. do? I sent you a text. But you know, you <laughs> didn't listen. You didn't let it fester. No. You were like, listen, you know, I forget what you exactly said. I, I'm sure I have the record, but it was something like, yeah, I, you actually said resent me. Like, I think I kind of have a little resentment over that, what you said about being one of us. And I completely like, you know, it's just one of those things that shot out of the side of my mouth, like half the things I say. But then I was like... It's hard to keep up a constant stream of verbal diarrhea for I, an hour. It really is. I know. And I had to, um, I, I had to say, like, absolutely not. It's just one of those things that, um, why is my wife FaceTime video calling me right now? It's a butt dial. It's got to be. Again? I can't. Do you I want to stop? This. No, I really don't. Um, <laughs> well, it might be important. All right, I don't, I don't wait, know. Damn it. All right. Okay, so that was not as important as we were worried it was going to be. Yeah. Although, you know, kids are important. Well, right? I have to say the reason I was getting, and it was from my wife's phone, but um, the reason why my son was spam calling me from her phone is because his phone was taken away oh, last dear. night because he re- completely refused to read. But that's a whole oh. other story. I was just uh, I was just talking about how in the program uh, that I was you know pretty entrenched in for a while there is this um, there's this us and them thing going on. Yes, you know uh, part of it is to make you feel like you're a part of something and like you hear a lot of speakers if you listen to speaker tapes uh, and and go to see speakers. They talk a lot about when I got to AA, when I got to NA, when I got to SA, when I got to GA, keep going, anything A, I was at home. I found my people. And you hear a lot of people talking in the rooms like um, they call people citizens or the normies, right? Yeah, I hate that term. And there's them. And so you, ca- I've got a lot of this from, from sponsors as I was going, you know, like... If you're one of us, if you're an alcoholic like me, then, right. you know, those if then statements. And so that's sort of what I was kind of alluding to, forgetting that you hadn't spent a decade in the rooms and you wouldn't immediately <laughs> pick up on that. But, but you know, honestly, like I, I think that line between normies and quote alcoholics with my air quotes is really fuzzy if it exists at all, you know, and, 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 and part yeah. of the whole, like the whole way that I stopped drinking and the, the whole way I engaged with uh, recovery was, was based on the idea that alcohol issues are on a continuum and how, you know, you can drink one or two drinks a day and still be in an alcohol prison, uh, whether you realize it or not, you can be high functioning, but your inner life can be a complete mess. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're drinking two, three drinks a day, uh, and never mind what you're doing on the weekend, which in my case was more than two or three drinks on the weekend, um, you're, you're always like, 
you're always diminished, right? You're always sort of like half hungover mm-hmm. and half drunk. Right. So when you're not half drunk, you're half hungover. And what, what kind of quality of life is that, you know? And so people in AA who, you know, maybe, maybe had to go a little bit further south before they arrested their fall and mm-hmm. to come back up, maybe can look, uh, uh, you know, with some level of some measure of contempt at the, you're like, what are you doing? Here, kid? <laughs> right, right. Like you're not a, a real alcoholic, but right. that does an incredible disservice to, to people who are, are problem drinkers, but don't fit the definition of, of, a, of a serious alcoholic, whatever the fuck that means. And, yeah. and, you know, so, you know, and then flip that around and, and what, what people think about that is, you know, I've been reading on these so, so-called normal recovery Facebook groups, um, you know, like, um, the Peloton has a, uh, a recovery group and there's just, you know, almost every aggregation of people on the internet also has a, like a recovery group oh, as well. That? Yeah. So like there's Pelotoners in recovery. Okay. So that's an interesting <laughs> group. It's Peloton yeah. is just a weird scene all around, but is anyway, I, um, <laughs> So anyway, so, so the idea going around is that a person suffering from addiction is the abnormal one compared right. to the so-called regular users of alcohol, mm-hmm. which is like all the normal people enjoying drinking at their relative's wedding. Right. And while the, the poor person that doesn't drink anymore is weeping that they can't have any fun, you know? Like, I, I wish I could drink like you. Right. But, but I can't. But you know what? Those people who are getting fucking shit-faced at the wedding and then showing up all shaky for the brunch next morning, you know, are they, are they is that normal drinking? Like, is it... Why is society normalized getting absolutely shit faced and then waiting online for a shitty brunch? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's the normal way. And the people that would rather go like kayaking at night and then the next morning get up early to, you know, watch the sunrise and walk their dogs, there's something wrong with them. That's yeah. a recovered alcoholic. It's interesting because I think these days, um, a lot of recovery has sort of evolved past that. But I can see and I and I understand what the need for that kind of tribalism was for because yes. I, I see where why it happened, you know. But the problem with that is that um, AA has become so um, pervasive in all of treatment, including anything you could uh, get from a court, uh, all of your court-mandated therapy places. Right. They're all AA. And so... When you're shuffling um, everybody who comes across the law or gets referred to AA uh, to one of those places and you feel like, man, I am not one of these people. Mm -hmm. So does that mean it's okay for me to go drink? And I think what what we get from Annie Grace's book, um, This Naked Mind, and and what you were just talking about, those kind of thinking is, you know what, Maybe, maybe one drink every day for my whole life is bad or maybe that's that's not good for me. I mean, I, I, my personal opinion, and you know, I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I think anybody who uses alcohol for any period of time uh, regularly is probably addicted to alcohol in some fashion. In the same way, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you drink every day, even one or two, and the idea of skipping a day gives you anxiety, yeah. makes you uncomfortable. Guess what? You have an alcohol problem. Right. Now, you may be perfectly happy living whatever that life brings you, and and maybe. Maybe you were, you've just fallen prey to the idea that alcohol actually relieves stress rather than creates its own stress. And then you're free to do that, yeah. you know, um, but I mean, I'm much less anxious now and I'm, 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 I sleep better, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, to me, it was almost as if like, um, as if like, uh, the gauze that had been wrapped around my eyes yeah. was pulled off. And I don't mean to sound like a, like I had a religious conversion experience. Oh, maybe you did, <laughs> man. Because that was not it. It was a slow burn for me. It took longer than, you know, but you know, so back to, back to why your comment just kind of sat, yeah. sat with me wrong is cause you know, I remember the first 90 days I had to go to a whole shitload of, um, work functions and conferences yeah. and places all over the country. And I was sitting there in my room and I was texting people on the stop drinking group saying, I have to go to the open bar now. And I was freaking out about it, you know? And, you know, I, I don't know. I certainly felt like I had a problem <laughs> at the yeah. time, you know? So yeah. one of us, I don't know if I, if, if one of us means I have to you know, what's the old expression when you get to the, when you think you've reached your bottom, you pick up the shovel and you keep and digging you keep for a digging. while. But, yeah. Uh, well, that, I mean, and I've been there. That's the yeah. other thing. Like, you know, so. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's one of those things that the, the longer I have been sober and the longer I've been through recovery, the, the more of the long view I get on it. 
And I do think that that kind of thinking, while it can give people a sense of safety uh, in those programs, it could be overall more detrimental uh, to people who, you know, don't fit into that. Or if you're not able to be the five to 10% that, you know, those programs work for, then, then what kind of person are you? What kind of failure are you? Mm-hmm. You're one of those people that are constitutionally incapable of being honest, which is the way it's put. Right. I mean, um, it's and I don't know, it's probably, bullshit. it's probably dangerous thinking. Um, I don't know. I didn't want to go crazy on against. No, but, I, you know, I got nothing. Against, but I, I mean, you should feel bad about about somebody saying, like, here you are trying to get better. Um, you know, doing everything you can do um, on your on your own, not following one of these programs. And why should you be made to feel like you're on the outside of something? Right. Right. I just felt like I was being judged by standards that I don't necessarily agree with that's exactly I what i was it, doing i don't adhere to you know? of course that's what we're, that's what i'm doing here i am i am judging you by standards by which you don't agree with that's the whole premise of the show but uh but i understand your um you hold know, on a, did, yes. did it just get really loud in not your in my not in my headphones wow okay oh, never mind weird something maybe you and it seems to be fine <laughs> you like That's that. one way to test the <laughs> test the levels. So, um, resentments. resentments. Resentments is the next thing on the outline. So, actually, of course, it, we just segue right into resentments, it, right? Because we were talking about right. resentments, and and we squashed that resentment, and our relationship is that much better it's, for it. It's even stronger, and, and it inspired me to, in the future, think up of things I resent you for, so I could bring them up on the show. <laughs> well, you know, we've got to be thinking. even in our resentments. I've tried, like now that I'm, I'm looking, for, you'll find. Something. I'm looking for some now. You'll find something. <laughs> um, so, what is a resentment anyway? Uh, a resentment is a negative emotion that people experience when they perceive that they have been wronged in some way. I got that information off of the internet, a reliable source. Trust the internet. Uh, Or the big book on page 64 calls it the number one manifestation of the ego. You're quoting the big book? (laughs) Again, from the internet. Okay. (laughs) I did not get out the big book and thumb through it. Um, Yeah. Although I have it somewhere. Um, So, or as I put in the meme on the Facebook group, uh, it's poison that you drink, hoping that the other person drops dead. A lot they, of people like that one. They did. We got some shares on they that. Did. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could have kept going with more memes, but I, I know re- I, I have very brief flashes of creativity. Yeah. Well, when you do, do it because otherwise yeah. I'm stealing other ones and nice. uh, trying to give attribution. And uh, so, um, just you know, more schooling now. Uh, it's it. It's often a companion to anger, hatred, and contempt, mm. and it shows up when others try to control you. Right. People don't act the way you expect. Mm-hmm. People say one thing and do another, right. or people act or judge you on what you perceive to be unjustly. Okay, yeah, I feel like that's described most of my experiences in life <laughs> up <laughs> to this point. So, uh, yeah, so like in recovery, it shows up that you know people who seem to be getting in the way of individuals attempting to build a life away from recovery shit that doesn't make any sense i don't know why i wrote that down i think that makes sense no i like here well so it's like people treating you um you know you're trying to recover you're trying to build Mm -hmm. life but people still see you the way you were when you were still acting absolutely how many of us have gotten clean and um you're still waiting for your um your mother to stop hiding her purse when you come over <laughs> right you know right. what i mean and you're like it's right. been th- i've been clean for 3 weeks mom like <laughs> right. what the hell right uh, and people post stuff like that all the time on groups like when will my wife trust me again it's i've been clean for 6 months and the way the way i answer that is you think about it like you've walked into the woods for 6 miles and now you've got to walk out of the woods, usually uphill Mm -hmm. on the way back. So you got to give yourself and your loved ones. They they used to tell me at least as long as you were active and then add six months is maybe how long you should think about giving your loved ones for. Wow. Holy crap. Right. And and then (laughs) what if you don't live, you don't live that long. Many of us don't live that long and you have to expect that much because there has been a lot of damage and that's part of where making amends comes in. And, um, 
of course, there's a lot of bad things that can come of that, but we, we try not to harm people in our amends. And, um, well, that's, that's the whole point, right? Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't do it if it's going to make it worse. Right. Which like, is sound advice in all areas of life. Yeah. There's plenty of people in business that I would never go call up and be like, you know, and admit to anything. Yeah. But I, of course, you I don't want to remind them that you stole money from them 25 no, years ago. No, but, uh, but we do a living amends right. where I practice business, um, you know, uh, ethically, with, ethically. Yeah, I couldn't think of that word. It's a tough one for me. Um, but resentments, I mean, when I read, read your notes to, on this, um, it made me think of when I was, uh, when I was under the thumb of the, the uh, um, the New York state, uh, probation system and, mm. and in, in my DWI probation, I had a court ordered, um, outpatient therapy. Right. And, um, I resented, like I, I wasn't being successful for a lot of most of that time. And then I would resent the counselors for, you know, catching me with a dirty urine, right? How dare they? How dare they? I would, and I resented just about, um, everybody I resented. I thought, man, I was, I, I was arrested for drunken driving and now I'm being punished for being an addict because the terms of probation are impossible to adhere to mm-hmm. if you're in fact one of us. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, there's certainly something to be debated about, um, you know, the way uh, people with addiction issues are treated by the state. Um, but that is another conversation. I mean, once you, yeah. once you've been, you know, handed out a sentence or whatever, then the expectation is you're going to, you take a guy like, take, take a guy like me and all of a sudden, oh, and you're not allowed to drink. And I'm like, uh, I'm a, I'm a heroin addict. I like to smoke crack and, uh, right. I'm an alcoholic. And all of a sudden magically I'm supposed to stop drinking. Right. They're going to, all those things are, are now off limits. And, and, and I'm waiting for my spiritual awakening right. and I'm going to AA and right. my sponsor's telling me what to do. And I'm saying, this guy must know what he's doing. And, um, well, I mean, that's like a, I mean, that could be a whole show in and of itself, like the way our society responds to, to addiction, uh, because it does so very poorly, I think. Yeah. And so here I was, you know, with their foot on my neck and I had plenty of- How are you supposed to- I had plenty of resentments. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I just keep stepping over you today. And and what, no, we're stepping over each other. That's part of the fun. Uh, and, and what do they do? They, you, you go to these outpatient places and then they give you 12 step stuff. Right. So they're just sending you back out into For more resentments. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what do you, do you think that resentment is a relapse trigger? Do you think the fact that you had to adhere to all of those strictures governing your behavior, um, made you want to go out and use again because you were kind of like, fuck this, fuck them. I think, I'll show them, you know, yeah. all that. I mean, I've thought about that a lot and spoken to various therapists about that. And I've been accused of that, too, um, by my therapists. And um, I, I guess I agree with that. I had one therapist um, telling me that, man, I'm just pl- I'm doing the victim thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing the victim, playing the victim. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I feel like a victim. Right. But maybe, maybe that was the wrong way to look at it because it certainly didn't help me get, uh, get sober. Uh, and I continued to struggle feeling like a victim and to constantly be under, uh, under those restrictions and, you know, having to report to probation and be the constant threat of probation officers showing up to my home with a breathalyzer. And I don't know, like, like I think about that, like it, you know, did I do better during that period of time? where I knew I could be tested at, at outpatient, you know, twice a week or whatever it was. And then it wasn't just that they would kick me out of the program because I was under probation. Right. If I violated by have, passing a dirty urine, well, I could go to jail. And in fact, I did finally uh, after doing that. And so all of my therapists I thought of, and I actually said this one time because I was really pissed off. I used to get very angry at these meetings. And I said, I can't tell you what's really going on because because they would always encourage me to be honest. Right. And I'm like, how can I be honest with you when you're essentially an agent of the court? Yeah. Like, that's what you are. Right. And uh, Tell I was, this guy everything. And, if you, and then and they he'll use it against it, you. And that's what happens. Because <laughs> right. at some point in time, I did be honest with one of these people. And I finally felt like comfortable. I'm like, yeah, listen, I did relapse. I know I've been clean for eight months and I've been testing clean. And I really had been. And I had a relapse. And I was just at the end 
uh, of my term at KPC. I don't mind mentioning their name. That fucker report. Yeah. And yes, he did. Son of a bitch. He got me in a phone moment. I said, listen, yeah, I know. I, I had a drink. And it was really not a bad relapse. And, uh, oh, okay. And then didn't say anything. All of a sudden, I get a call from my probation officer. Oh, I heard that you relapsed. And um, and I had, didn't even wow. have a test. That's, you, that is it. And not only that, they sent me back to the beginning of the eight-month-long program where I was backed, and I had finally gotten some freedom in my life. Like, I could see my kids so who again. Did you, wait, who did, let me just rewind that. Yeah. Who did you tell that you had that drink to? Was that a therapist? It was my one-on-one therapist at KPC. And they have no, um, I'm sorry, the legal mind's working. Like, there's there's no confidentiality between you guys? Well, that's what I was confused about. Yeah. <laughs> and when I came back in, I was so angry at this motherfucker. I think that resentment is entirely justified. Yeah, and I was very... <laughs> And I said, "There's." And I went in, and I, I got in a big fight with the owner, and um, I made a big scene. And um, consequently, they called me to tell me that I was to, like, they weren't going to let me come back because I made a scene, and I was very pissed off. Jesus Christ! And I went back. I, and then, guess what I did next? You went out. I went back out, and I went <laughs> fucking crazy. And um, I made it count, man. Um, so yeah. So I mean, so, I mean how, bullshit. I don't know. How is that an effective? Like way of trying to treat people. Like, I don't believe that it is because I've been punished. I don't want to say for being honest, but being a failure. I look. I was a failure, and God damn it, you! I'm telling your probation officer, you criminal. No, nobody can possibly punish the addict more than the addict punishes himself. Yeah, I, I, I believe that they can put you in jail, right. which is that's an external, but inside you're just beating them fucking piss out of yourself all the yeah, time. Yeah, man. And I was working. I had a good job. I, I've got my, you know, I was keeping up my life as best I could um, with everything out there. Everybody knew everything, like my family, that, so to speak. So I wasn't like living a total like lie anymore. I was out there. I was, you know, in therapy and stuff like that. I had my, my children. I had a car at the time. And this just really fucked me. And you could say, listen, I screwed myself. Of course I did. I should never have. But it made me think maybe I should have never been honest in that situation. Mm -hmm. But their hands are tied because, you know, there's an agreement with you have to sign, you know, the the HIPAA waiver. Um, Right. It's part of the deal, man. And when you sign that probation agreement, that's it. You know, there's nothing a lawyer can do. Believe me, I looked into it. It seems really, it's just sad to me that the way that we treat and I know this is a separate topic and I'm drifting off resentment, but it really annoys me that, that the way that we treat addiction, which we don't understand the cause, right? We don't understand why people abuse. I alcohol. thought it was a disease. We don't understand. Well, that's it, another show. Maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it isn't. Whatever. There's no consensus. And yet there is some sort of consensus around how we punish, right? Yeah. We take someone who's addicted and we punish them sure. by, by state action. Bad boy. Right. Hit him with the newspaper which, in the nose. Right. Which which is supposed to, I don't know. I mean, it's the same way you punish someone that steals a, a robs a bank. Right. You cut pu- their hands off. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> cut their just, hands I off. mean, to me, it just, it's, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, back, back to resentment. Yeah. So, so, so do I have a resentment? Would you, would you, would you um, diagnose me as about that? Sure. Well, how do I resolve I, I'm that? I'm sure you resent that, but how do the I question is that? like, are there, are there justified resentments? Sure. I mean, of course there's got to be, but so the real question is how do you resolve those so that they don't fester inside you and cause you to do damage to your life? Uh, meditation. Yeah. Uh, You you said that. I know I was going to meditate today and then I thought better of it. Um, I mean, you know, you got (laughs) to shift your, I mean, cause really the only person that self-directed anger wounds is the person you're directing it at, which is you. So, you know, how do you get around that? I mean, fuck. You know, who knows? Well, I mean, there's, there's people that are full of resentments that have never had a drink. Yeah, of you know? course. Of course. Uh, you know, are they healthy people? I don't know. I don't know what even is healthy. Like, what's a healthy Mentally guy? Mentally healthy. Mentally, like, with it, you're not crying at so- fabric softener commercials. Like, because <laughs> that's me. I, I will sob at a fabric softener commercial. Wow. Not lately. I haven't seen one, thankfully, because yeah. well, it's embarrassing. Different stages in our life were emotionally tender. <laughs> I'm like, life looks so perfect. <laughs> but I don't know. I read something on, on one of the AA. Uh, not, I don't even know if it was AA, so forget it. I'm not going to say that. On some 12-step group today where it, where it said, in order to build a successful life in recovery, you need to let go of resentment. And if you can't, you will never find, never find peace mm. away from alcohol and drugs. I think that's 
a little bit of bullshit. What if it's just good advice? It is good advice. Right. But I mean, this is the whole thing like- It's in a very Rarely absolute. have we seen people fail who thoroughly follow our path. You, you well, know, if the path has stopped drinking is your first thing. dishonest, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. It's like you'll never find peace if you're full of- You'll never not do alcohol. You know, you know who's never had a drink in his life? Who? President Trump. Do you think that fucker's full of resentment? Do you think that's true, though? I don't know. That's what he says. Well, okay, so who knows, right? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I've heard about that, and um, yeah, that's an interesting point that I have heard that, and I think that is the official line. Not, from not the, that we from need the to aspire to, to that level of, of strength in our personalities or whatever you want to call you that. You two can attain a healthy <laughs> orange glow if you don't drink your entire life. No, but um, I, I mean, look... Part of, part of what I've been discovering, I guess, about studying uh, studying these topics is that a lot of this stuff, you know, it's good advice. I mean, it, like the, the 12 steps, you know, um, to say that you're powerless over alcohol. I mean, maybe you aren't powerless over alcohol, but maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's good for you to just say, yeah, yeah, I'm powerless. And, sure. and you just walk along and just do it. And if you're able to, as part of your therapy, cure yourself by not drinking to start off and then do this line of, you know, mental exercises, then that's great. But to present it as gospel truth, that mm. is probably uh, reckless and maybe, um, maybe damaging. Maybe. Whatever works, though, right? I mean, we, it works we if you work. We it. neither endorse nor condemn. So work at your worth. It. Right. That's Stay. right. I saw, you know, so going back to that whole big book business on resentment, how it's a manifestation of the ego, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, resentment is considered to be the granddaddy of the character defects, is it not? Um, I think that you've got something there. I think that that's, that's pretty well, you know, it's that and having reservations. It's another one. Right. But I mean, how about if you look at it as like a psychological defense mechanism rather than as a character defect? Because character defect implies that there's something wrong with you, psychological defense mechanism. But you could pray to God and have him relieve you of those defects, you, you, can't you? I guess you could. I mean, that's, that's right there that's in the book. It it's in print. I mean, they've published a million of these books and that's what it says. Yeah. But really, I mean. Pray to him. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, you may, you may be resentful before you ever start abusing Drugs or alcohol. Sure. It so could be that, from from being criticized by your parents. Right. Your older by brother. Being hypersens- and that leads to hypersensitivity to perceive criticism or disapproval. Mm. You know, and then maybe you drink because of all of that shit. And then it sort of pops out. You know, I don't know. I just think there's a lot tied up in the idea of resentment. Uh, and it seems like um, it should be dealt with, but maybe in a more, so, maybe with a therapist. Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand. Well, people who say, oh, I don't want to see a therapist. They don't like a therapist, but yet you'll go to these groups and you've got junior therapists, you know, who don't work in the field and just miraculously have stopped drinking or so they've told you and, and you're treating them like a professional therapist. Like why not? And I think the double whammy, the, I think the best for me, the best possible, um, clinician is one who is also a recovered addict, but I mean, that's another topic in itself. I don't know. But like I've had both, right? And I've gotten a lot from, and usually they're honest with, with you. If, if I, if I would ask, or you can usually tell just right. by the language they use. And I've had great clinicians who were admitted, you know, recovered addicts and also ones that were straight up book learning hmm. um, and just professionals. And so I'm sort of on the fence as to what is better. And I think it probably comes down to the individual and your ability to trust someone. Because for me, I didn't get uh, better, let's say, until I was really able to be honest about the way I was feeling and then things that I was going through my mind. Right. Um, but I don't think you necessarily need someone who, who had an addiction struggle to be honest with them. I mean, you know, when you go to, if you go to a cancer doctor, you don't, Hope that that doctor had had cancer before. No, but know? like if they had and gotten through it, would right. that give you a little more like, he knows what you I'm know, going through? I, yeah, maybe. Right? Maybe it would. I don't think it precludes what people who haven't. And like I said, this is a question I've, I've had only because I've seen so many different ones. And um, I think, I think yeah. if they have training. 
Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking like someone with a lot of training, but is right. also a recovered addict. Right. Um, you get a lot in in the in in the um, therapy therapeutic communities that are um, are not that trained. They just um, you can do these courses that make you a peer advocate right. and things like that. And, and that's great. And I think it's, it's really helpful, but, um, they get put on the same pedestal, I think as, as a truly uh, trained clinician. Uh, yeah. and that could be dangerous. Um, but I guess it's like anything, you know, in, in professional medicine. It's you know? another, uh, it's another interesting area that we could ex- explore in a, in a full episode, the modalities of, Mental health, you know, I mean, I would think if you're a therapist and maybe, maybe if you have an alcoholic in your family or you've had to deal with someone, I mean, I think that would. A a lot of them and they won't, they don't admit it, but, um, I think a lot of people who go into these fields, like I had this one, uh, so I guess he was a social, social worker, group leader, uh, working with me that he had a diploma from Columbia university on his Mm -hmm. wall. And that was perplexing to me on its face because I know that social workers at this place, I mean, it's well known that they're not in it for the money. Right. And, um, and he was clearly a sharp guy. He had worked in the drug courts, uh, mm-hmm. for this, for the County, I think and stuff like that. Very sharp. And he was intelligent and, um, and I could tell he wasn't one of us. There's that term <laughs> okay. again. And, uh, I kind of, you know, and they, they don't like to break that anonymity of themselves and like what brought them there. But one time as he was watching me urinate, I would always make <laughs> awkward conversation because <laughs> I, I have a hard time. No peeing. eye contact, but no, you know. no, I mean, I used to try and make them uncomfortable. So look, if I really didn't like a therapist who had to watch me, I would just, I would make a show of it and um, try and make them uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but this guy, I was like, you know, why'd you get into this? And I said, and he just kind of like gave me that look like he's not, you know, telling me anything about himself. And right. I'm like, I'm like, let me guess. I'm like, you had a brother, somebody died, somebody was an addict in your family, parent. And I was just like looking for his, and he was <laughs> just like, the tell. he just said, he just shook his head and walked out. But I could tell that, yeah. you know, that that's where people like that are coming from. You know, you really have to want to um, give you, it's almost like, um, charity at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, private practice, I think you can actually do all right. I think a lot of people who, uh, recover, uh, from drugs and alcohol, I think it crosses their mind to get into that line of work. Are you kidding me? Almost everybody. Are you kidding? This is the, this is the most hilarious part. The, the thing I've noticed the most, because I've, I've followed people who I met in rehab here and there. It's not always a great idea to do that. But the number of people who like get clean and become a counselor of some kind, it's it's almost epidemic. Well, you become an expert. It's, well, that's it. And I'm thinking that too. Like right now I'm taking classes. I'm about to finish my bachelor's after 22 years. And uh, I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's going to happen. I'm currently, uh, yeah, I'm currently writing papers at the age of 42 and it's absurd. But Yikes. that's fun. Um, I'm like, hey, what do I have the most experience in that I could really, you know, maybe I could take my education to the next level and do something I'm interested in and have experience well, in. You could sell drugs. I was thinking about that, but honestly, I don't know where to get a cheap kilo uh, of the good stuff. Right. But um, having, you know, decided not to do that, I'm like, maybe I get an MSW. Yeah. Uh, or what else can I do? I don't know, but it's definitely in, in the back of my mind. And I think a lot of addicts, you know, who get to that point where, look, they're felons, they have tattoos on their neck that say things like faith and, mm-hmm. you know, mom and uh, forgive me, mom. Have you ever seen that one? I see a lot of those. Yikes. And uh, yeah, that's, that's nasty. Faith is another one I see a lot. Um, but where else are these guys, you know, getting professional work? Um, it's the one place that you can come looking like, you know, looking like that. And, and it gives <laughs> you cre- credibility. Yes. Right. A hundred percent. But, but. The other thing that's interesting, though, is like uh, addicts, people that have been through a recovery program or even who have um, just spent any time on learning the ins and outs of recovery have probably done more self-introspection than most people out there and are are probably better positioned to do that kind of work. Just like what we were just saying is someone who's been through that, Uh, a better clinician, right? Full circle, Bringing it full circle. Kind of tying together this web that we're weaving here. What is it that we're talking about? We Listen, uh, I could talk about this all day, um, but I am very anxious. I've been thinking about this since we started the show. I want more stories (laughs) from, I call it Mike's New Jack City years. Um, And you've put this on onto my outline. And once it's on the outline, it's it's happening. Okay. So um, don't don't give away the punchline. I'm just okay. So without further ado, 
So Bronx, Bronx, New York, 1988. Uh, it was one of the times where I had alienated all of my friends to the point where I, no one was letting me live with them or anything like that. So I had temporarily um, you burned your come back to my... <laughs> my ancestral home and was living in my <laughs> childhood bedroom for a short period of time. Uh, been there. But what I would do, uh, I, was, w- I would like to say on the weekends, but it was probably a Tuesday night, I would get in the car and drive to, um, to the Bronx for festivities because I didn't know where to score uh, crack um, where I lived with my parents, but I did know that if I went to the Bronx, I had several places I could go get it. So I drive up there on whatever night it was. And now, now that I think back on it, it was probably um, a holiday or something because there was nobody out in the street. You know, that's the worst feeling. You, you, you drive there, you park your car a few blocks away because you don't want to you know, drive up the block. You hop out, you walk down, you're looking for your guy. There's nobody out. And then you start thinking to yourself, fuck, I got to go to that other place. Oh, no. Because, you know. The place you've been avoiding. The reason you don't go to the other place is because it's bad down there, right. you know. And in this case, the, the other place was Briggs Avenue. You don't want to go down Briggs Avenue. And you're so white, you're glowing. Right? I am I am the whitest fucking crackhead, you know. We're I'm talking Revenge beaming, of the Nerds. Beaming, like. Right. So I'm wearing my cargo shorts, you know, and it's it was summertime. I remember that. And uh, so I leave the one here, I walk down the other one, and, it, and this one's. You start in the Arthur Avenue neighborhood of the Bronx, which is all mafia, Italian, and then you just walk in and the neighborhood changes little by little as you walk <laughs> south, you know. More check cashing places all of a sudden. Yeah, it's Coochie Frito places. Kennedy's and, you know, Chicken. Right. All of a sudden, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore. Right. You're not even in uh, Italy anymore. Uh, so this particular um, place on Briggs Avenue, I had never had luck there. I, I had actually got stabbed there once, but that's a story for another day. Um, but it was, it was like beat city, man. Like you, it was a coin toss. If you'd ever be able to score anything that you could actually get your eye down there. So I'm walking down there. I'm by myself because I, that's, you know, that's the way it is at that point. I was by myself. Um, and I had $10 and I had no toll to get back over the bridge. Uh Okay. And I'm like, $10 I can get, because the price had just come down then. You know, I could get, I could get like a $3 crack vial there. So I could get really? three of them and then I have a dollar for like a bag of Dipsy Doodles or something. Nice. So, um, <laughs> so I go down there and I see, you know, it's kind of, there's a bunch of shady people wandering around. I find one guy. He's like, yeah, okay, come on, come over here. So we go to this vacant lot and <laughs> get into the vacant lot. He goes, all right. Give me the money. I'm like, well, let me see the, the stuff. And he goes, yeah, I'll show you the stuff. And he pulls out a fucking knife. Uh, and I was like, fuck. fuck. So uh, he's like, give me that $10. So I give him the money. He's like, you got any other money? I'm like, no. He's like, I don't believe you. Take off your pants. I was like, really? He goes, give me your fucking pants. You know, so I take off my pants. I give him the pants. He goes through all the pockets. There's nothing in there. He finds my wallet. I'm like, can I have that back? There's no money in it. And I didn't have credit cards. And he's like, he threw the wallet at me. I was that like, was yeah, nice. That's great. But then he's like, uh, he took my car keys Ugh. and he whipped them in the middle of the field, uh, vacant lot. There's like grass, concrete, debris everywhere. I'm like, and it was dark. I was like, motherfucker. And then he's like, good luck getting home, white boy. And turns and walks away with my pants. Oh, man. So I'm standing there in the middle of the South Bronx in my, uh, my tidy whiteies. <laughs> scrambling around on my hands and knees trying to find my car keys, which by some miracle I found. But now my car is parked back in the mafia neighborhood and I'm not wearing any pants. And you're like six feet tall, right? Five, five, eleven. Yeah. So it's not like I sort of unobtrusively scurry (laughs) back to- You're not slinking around in the shadows. uh, I did my best slinking though that day. So I, I, but people are out, you know, it's summer. They're looking at me, walking in my underwear, like what the fuck is this guy into? (laughs) So I get in the car and then, I, you know, the last hurdle I have to confront is I have to somehow get through the toll booth without any money, uh-huh. not wearing any pants. <laughs> so uh, we, we had a trick though. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. That's when they had those plastic baskets. Plastic sort baskets. Of thing. I you remember pretend that. to throw something in there. Yeah. And when the, when the bar doesn't go up to let you in, you sit there and you honk your horn. Yeah. So I do this and the, <laughs> the Triborough in. Bridge Tunnel Authority cop comes wandering over oh. Um and usually they don't give a fuck, you know, they just hit the thing. And They've been up. automated out of existence. They yeah. have, yeah. but he comes over 
looks in the car, sees me with no pants on. I just smile and he hits the button. The thing goes up and I drive back. And that, that was the story. And you know, the guy who did that to you is still telling that story. I'm sure he is. On a podcast. I'd like to, he's probably dead, but you know. Oh, well that's nice. You know. uh, I don't really resent it. It was, it was, uh, do you have a resentment towards that gentleman? Do you? No, are are I, you kind of like, do you want to thank him for giving you a lesson? Uh, no. Did I you don't. ever go back to that part of town? Of course. Of, well, of then you did not learn I your lesson. Not. And it was the time after that where I got lured into a building. They stole my watch and then poked me with the blade. But, oh, man. Uh, man, yeah, yeah. oh, man. I, I have to so say. Crack is bad, kids. I hear don't, about. Don't do drugs. I hear about stories like that in a lot of the memoirs I read. And I miraculously avoided having to go. I always had a middleman. Which cost more money. Yeah, you're paying more I, that way. Yeah, I always I had a guy. was a poor guy. college student. Right. <laughs> Couldn't afford that. Yeah, I always would have a guy that would then take it. And then I was the guy always waiting for him when you'd just be staring at the, the door where he went in. You're like, when's he coming out? When's he coming out? When's right. he coming out? And then- um, Is he coming out? Is he The coming moment out? that they do, you get this rush and all yeah. of a sudden, you know, your stomach starts bubbling right. and- right. Oh man, yeah. So, but never, ne never did I ever uh, wander through a neighborhood like that. So, <laughs> I'm living vicariously through you. And, it was, uh, uh, it was an adventure a for a young man in the city. I will say that. Uh, uh, that is. <laughs> it's funny, uh, Brandon Novak, the uh, professional skateboarder who's now big into in recovery. He's out there. He's a he's a personality. Right. He uh, he has a lot of stories like that that are just like. And he, the way he described it, I think he was on uh, with Dave on Dopey, uh, where I heard it, and he was talking about how he was, he felt like um, like a junky Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. Like, Perfect. You know what That's I mean? That's great. And yeah. not only that, but he actually has produced now a, like an action graphic novel portraying these adventures. That's fucking awesome. And I think, I think it's been published now, but I'm not sure. Um, Link in the show notes. I got it. Yeah. So Brandon Novak, uh, Junkie, um, <laughs> Indiana Jones. That is awesome. Yeah, man. But it's stories like that. And that really got me. Um, wow. We, we're doing pretty good here. Uh, we're at uh, 44 minutes. Yep. Um, so you talked a little bit about normal recovery groups. That was the next on our list. Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I think and, we and how that out of order. You know, just just to recap that because um, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, there's a couple of memoirs I've been listening to. Uh, uh, one was the, the Annie Grace one that I talk about all the time. This Naked Mind because I, I listen to it repeatedly because um, I, I really uh, it's it's one of those books that I need to hear it again. Right. Do you know what I mean? Maybe if I actually read it like a, a regular mensch, if I just sat there and read the freaking thing, like maybe it would stick with me, but I listened to it and um, it helps me. It helps me. And, and it's this, that theory that like, listen, you're not any different than any other human being ingesting an addictive, mm -hmm. uh, poisonous chemical when you're drinking. So nobody out there is successfully drinking. Like, yeah, maybe they didn't get caught doing it. I mean, it was, it was a miracle I didn't get caught driving drunk a thousand other times I did it. But, um, you know, you're you're doing what, you know, is best for your body. Right. And, and that this thought that you're going to somehow get something good out of having that drink. And, and believe me, in the last couple of weeks, it has been very tough for me not to, to have a drink. Really? Uh, yeah, have you I, been struggling? Uh, a few times. I hmm. think I think I definitely... I was definitely like, man, I want to drink right now. Well, is it the um, drink that you wanted or is it the, uh, is it the feeling that you get from having the drink? It's the feeling that I think I remember getting that, uh, from having that, the drink, that whoosh of all the tension going away. Just like, yeah. Which is like you're about to say, because I don't need to hear you say it. Cause I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> meditate. Well, and cause that's what that did for me when I did meditate, meditate. or you know, that's one strategy, playing the tape forwards, the other strategy. And that's you know. kind of what it, what I ended up doing. Um, I debated with calling you and being like, Mike, I want to have a drink, but I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to do that. You can always do that. I know. And I know you would be totally kidding. It would be great. And I should, we could, it would be great. Do it. I'm gonna, I'm probably going to do that. Absolutely. Um, but I didn't. And, um, and I was like, no, I was like, I don't want, I, I, I want to be able to like squash this myself. And, um, 
what would it, what would frighten me about that is the time I can't squash it myself, and then I go have a drink, and will my life get ruined? Probably not. But I don't want to do that, and that's the bottom line. No, and I don't want to, and I think that's what's important. That's what's the difference between me now and maybe two years ago or even, you know, is that I'm not thinking like, man, I really want to. I'm able to, you know, analyze that thought and say to myself, what is really, what is this really going to do? And that's why listening to the Annie mm-hmm. Grace book, um, it, it puts me back in that mindset where I can say, yeah, she's right. You know, anything positive I think that this will do is straight up a marketing ploy that has been so like ingrained in my psyche since being a child, you know, that. Well, it's hard to, it's you know. hard to shift the paradigm yeah. inside your head without constant reinforcement of, of what that shift looks like, you know, like, yeah. because you, you're, you're in the pattern where you're thinking that that drink is going to make things better temporarily when in fact it won't. It, and, it really makes you feel shitty. And all of the work that you've done and all that other stuff, you know, why just, you know, chuck it? Ah, I caught you. Yeah. Do you really chuck it all away by having that one drink though? That's that you don't, same You don't chuck it by having that don't one drink. Like. You chuck it by having the next 20 drinks. Right. But do you, yeah. Okay. But you, like there's that shame, there's that AA shame thing and it's even coming out of well, you and you don't even realize it. Should, it. it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be shameful it should just be okay so do you know what i'm saying yeah i do right. know i absolutely know what you're saying like you have that drink and bam you just lost everything you did for the last two years but do you really you, you don't you don't you don't but you still don't want to do it right I mean, and it's probably you feel really bad right you would yeah of course <laughs> you know and, and then you'd have to be like dax shepherd and be like oh, this is what i did you're right though, I did go. I did go right for that. You did. I did. It's it's just, and that's I have so, a resentment. That's so weird. I've got. <laughs> I'm having resentment. It, it over just that. goes to show you how ingrained that viewpoint. Yes. Is, you know? Chuck it all away. Yeah. And that's really what people are getting. Because honestly, that's how I probably would feel. Right. If I did it. And you shouldn't. And I shouldn't. No. But it's easy for us to tell people they should. Yes. Shouldn't. Yes. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I drink. Yeah. Um. So cool. So that sort of wraps that up. Um, I wanted to move on because we're running long and I don't mind running long. I like having a long show. That's before you go to the yep. next thing, just quick, quick. I thought about putting a poll up and asking if people want us to stick to an hour. Do you know how to do a poll? Go, the, you can do it on Facebook. You There's can. There's a right? way to do it. Yeah. You're in charge of that. Okay. I'm delegating. I'll put the, I'll put the poll. <laughs> I'll put the poll. Do a poll. I'll See do if poll. anybody participates. Because then the, the thing is like, do we keep it an hour like for regular episodes, and then if we have an interview, go long, or do we just keep talking until we run out of things to say? I yeah. don't know about that. I mean, I know what I like when I'm listening to podcasts. Like an hour for my my favorite podcasts. I always want more. Right. Like I really do. Um, and I usually get disappointed if it falls below like forty five minutes. Yeah, right. I'm usually like, ah, what? Are they, they're just phoning it in this week. <laughs> um, like even when I was listening, I'm not to call out Jed on Church and Other Drugs, but. There was a few like episodes and I'm like, 35 minutes. Like, come on, man. Right. I need, I need a solid like right. 45 yeah. to be, but, um, luckily the judge short shows are actually really great. Um, anyway, but, so, uh, uh, if you don't see the polls, just send us an email or comment yeah. on the Facebook page. You know, do you want it longer? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm definitely anyway. curious. Um, I think we could actually, since we're talking time wise, I feel like we should talk about this, um, there was a, a an article, Recovery in the News. Yeah. You going to sing this week? Recovery in the News. Yeah. Uh, so, right. So this was sort of a... Um, such a cool song. I like it. It is. I, I wonder who owns the copyright on that, because it's on every single movie <laughs> board that's been sent out. So somebody's making money off of that. Yes, not me. Yeah. Um, Right, so the New York Times this week had a a great article called "Mother's Little Helpers Back and Daddy's Partaking Too," mm. and um, it's a weird article because it basically talks about how parenting is so stressful that you need to get drunk and high to, to just do like it. I just said. I really <laughs> needed a drink the other day. Um, I thought I did, but. So I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. New but, York Times, and it's written by uh, Jessica, Jessica Gross. Gross, who seems to be a, a young, you know, thirty-something young person. I don't know. Is based that on young? Her picture. Yeah. I, I mean, it is to me. It's pretty. Young. Most people are young to me, though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you. Yeah. Us young people, right? So, um, 
So anyway, the article goes uh, uh, on, uh, it starts by interviewing some some people who are dealing with the uh, homeschooling and COVIDing. Uh, COVID it's now or a verb. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the sentences like this, since the pandemic began, members of the group have experienced job losses, wildfires, week-long power outages, mm-hmm. political unrest, elderly parents, a uh, new cycle on turbo and unending days filled with educating, feeding, and caring for their children. And spending time with your spouse like you've never done right. before. Which apparently means that you need to get fucked up because yes. those things <laughs> You thought you need much, to get fucked up before? Those it? things are much this is, too hard. This is it, man. Yeah. This is... But, I mean, so... You know, some of these people, like, I don't know, and I'm trying not to be judgy, but I'm a little judgy. Like, my hobby is doom scrolling and learning the science of COVID and smoking weed and sitting on the toilet staring at the wall. What the hell and I'm is like, doom maybe you could find something else to do. Maybe there are other things to do besides you know? doom. What is <laughs> doom scrolling, smoking weed, and sitting on the toilet staring at the wall? I mean, that's a 16 year old that's saying that, right? <laughs> She's 36. Oh, and that's her. She says that. Two, uh, I admittedly didn't read not, this. Not the. Uh, I didn't read the article. Not the author, but I have to someone admit. she interviewed. And she only she has two kids, and one of them's 18, and the other's 10. And she just likes like, doom scrolling, which I, I don't know. know what that means. She owns means. a health food restaurant in oh. London, Ontario. Well, God bless. I just hide in my bathroom and vape, she said. <laughs> uh, All right. I smoke some weed, and I'm able to calm down and clean my kitchen and do my laundry and some regular person things. Wait, she's the author of no, an article no, no, in the no. New York Times? This is not the oh, author. This is someone the author say, man. I should submit an I'm article not to the Times. You guys can read it. But yeah. it, it just seems to me that that's just so... Well, that's a malaise like, uh, of, of that generation, I think. That's a general, like... I don't know. I feel like every generation, there, you know, gets more... Uh, apathetic, uh, or maybe we just I think wanna, they are. I don't want to. You don't want to be the old guy wanna, sitting on the yeah, porch. Get off my lawn. I don't lawn. think that's it. I just think the whole idea of of substance abuse as 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 a relaxation activity is just um, needs to be revisited. I mean, this yeah. this other person they interviewed who lives in the Bay Area, their daily cocktail is a way to pause and talk to each other, and the kids will leave us alone. Like, yeah, yeah. if you drink enough, the kids will definitely leave you, will alone. leave you they alone. They will learn that not to bother mommy and daddy when they're drinking their special liquids. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I, I really, I mean, the, the biggest regret I have about my admittedly moderate consumption since my kids have been born is that it creates a distance between me and sure. them, you know? And, and I, fi- I found myself very quick to get irritable yeah. and, you know, and I am less irritable and less short-tempered from not drinking. Yeah. So I just think this is a little backwards. People are like, let's let's have drinks so we can. You yeah, know. I know, man, and I I get I look I I feel that way too, and like it has been really difficult, especially you know watching a spouse who you know not that my spouse is over drinking or anything like that, but you see them, oh, it's. Have, I gotta have a glass of wine, like right? And it's fine, but um, I'm there, fully present, and some of that stuff I don't wish I was fully present for. I have to admit, mm-hmm. like a lot of it, it's not all fun games, and like you know, but nobody ever said it was going birds to and bees. Either, you know, yeah. it's like um, there are some really difficult moments um, with at least my children. And what I find is that I'm always present because I am, you know, a lot of it is me feeling guilty about all the time I was not present. Right. And, and I have gotten some uh, kickback from uh, my son who has said to me, uh, not knowing that I was a heavy, you know, a drug addict and alcoholic. Luckily I pretty much shielded him from a lot of that, you know, but still what he does know is I'm, way more involved in the last couple of years and daddy used to be like I don't care what goes on do whatever you want like I was <laughs> I wasn't a mean drunk right you know I was like whatever man you know type of dad and yes and so that's a bit of a struggle now um, because I'm really I'm there man and if the kid makes a sound at 3 a.m. I'm in their room you know I'm right my wife has to wake up early and you know she works very hard and, and I am happy to be able to do that. I mean, that's, that's really my dream, uh, in life was to be able to be like that, but guess what? Being there and, and, uh, and being a hundred percent present is really difficult. It is and difficult. so am I really going to, um, 
like give somebody a hard time if if they have a THC gummy bear to help them sleep at night. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. Like that. I mean, that's I, I, that's not I bad. But it, smoking, you know, vaping your your marijuana in the bathroom and avoiding your children is a whole other <laughs> problem. I mean, that's right. And 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 maybe that's my issue with the article is yeah. it just sort of nor- it, it normalizes all of that. You yeah. know, the mommy wine culture. Right. Like I think you put it. Um, well, and, and there's a whole other issue about how much more women, how much more duties, how many, how much more duties when the fuck did I go to school? <laughs> yeah. How much more women At do. At least you didn't say whole nother. You yes. said whole other. And yes. I, I appreciate that as an English major. I really. <laughs> I pay attention to these things. I've actually looked up how to spell nother. And I've, it's, I've it's, like, not, it's not nother. There's it's, no, it's, word it's no such word as nother. But I mean, the, the issue is, you know, there are many women who, in addition to, ta- you know, their jobs and their kids, you know, now with COVID, they're doing extra work. Uh, with the kids with online learning and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a very stressful pressure cooker like situation. But sure. I would, I wouldn't argue because I don't like to argue no. with women. <laughs> I, I never win. No, you but don't. I would suggest that maybe a healthier <laughs> way of, of dealing with the stress from that is not to, uh, I would suggest that hel- the healthiest way to deal with it would be just like lots of sex. I think yeah, I think that would that would be the, the right the most healthy. I mean, that is my it. biggest. Yes. Are you blushing? <laughs> no, I'm. Just, it's hot. I'm actually here. colorblind too, so I'm just guessing. Um, yeah. So interesting. That I mean, that is an interesting point uh, because I see it too. Because we both um, live with <laughs> normies who are not one of us, right? And um, and you see them reach for the, the the glass of wine. Of course, they're not. I would never. I would never identify my wife, or maybe I would at some point, but I don't identify her as a problem drinker. But right. you see that, you watch it. What's a problem drinker? A, a problem drinker <laughs> would be... I, um, my definition of that has changed yeah. the last two years. Well, that's a, another great point, Mike. You just I'm not saying our wives are problem drinkers, by the way. No, I'm we would never that. say such a... And I'd just like to say again that your, your wife is very cool. And so is yours. Right, isn't she? She really is. My wife is the best, and I love her. And thank God for her, because... Because it's just uh, nothing short of a miracle that I'm still married and that she... She put up uh, with a lot of your shit. Um, yeah, a lot more than I will ever admit on this show. <laughs> um, and so thank God for that. So I'm I'm not ignoring you because I'm actually scrolling through my phone right yeah, like, now. Who are you texting? Oh, here it is. We're here it is. Okay. Here, here because are. anyway, a couple what? last words on this. Yeah. Um, like one of the other paragraphs that popped out at me was, was, and this is the author of the article saying, but for some parents, getting just a little stoned is the only way they can eke out a small measure of joy in an otherwise <laughs> fairly hopeless time. Uh, like, really? That, that I was like, I felt that way for a solid decade, you know, when I was yeah. <laughs> chasing the dope man. Yeah. The only joy I could possibly get, man, was. But I guess you, I guess if that's the way you're thinking, then maybe that's what it provides you i don't know i my, my feelings about potter because significantly more benign than my feelings about about alcohol i mean mm, yeah I, and we can discuss that more um because i'm not crazy about the idea of marijuana just the, the very idea of it the idea do you want okay the idea of legalizing it oh even though it's already you know been what? legal let's hold that for yeah. another show because it's going to be legal in new jersey next year yeah when yeah. we'll be taking a trip we'll be doing a, a sober <laughs> retreat in new jersey the minute it's uh <laughs> actually we've talked about celebrating a, a certain number of downloads by going to medieval times yes which is in new jersey yeah everybody we are approaching a um wait sorry milestone Last yes thought on this article because i had <laughs> this i thought was was funny. Uh, they had to print a correction after they put the first version of the article up, and the correction is as follows: An earlier version of this article misstated the dosage of THC <laughs> shared right. by Deborah Stein and her husband. It is one point eight milligrams per gummy, not fifty milligrams, <laughs> right. which is the dosage contained in the entire package. Yeah. So I have to wonder how many people read this and were like, "Oh, fifty milligrams gummies? Let's go find some of those <laughs> and, and relax that? a little bit." Those people are still high. I'm yeah, telling you, they, they are, are still high. Still Anyway, so is that recovery in the news? That's it. We're done. No, we are done with recovery in the news. Right. No, no. Hey, I would never take away your magic, man. Week this week in weird. Okay, everybody. Nessie spotted on sonar. Sonar equipment aboard a Loch Ness tour boat picked up an unusual and rather sizable object in the water that some suspect.
Earth could be the site's legendary monster. According to a local media report, the intriguing anomaly was spotted as Ronald McKenzie of Cruise Loch Ness was leading a small tour of the location last Wednesday afternoon. As his guests were watching a sea eagle flying in the area, the captain looked down and saw on the sonar something more eye-catching. Nessie, she's back. Hmm. Or not back, but she's been there. That's amazing. You probably haven't thought about the Loch Ness Monster since you were 12 years old, and here you are. Who could imagine that the owner of Cruise Loch Ness would want to drum up some publicity (laughs) about Loch Ness involving the Loch Ness Monster? I don't know how I feel about the Loch Ness Monster, only that... I mean, she seems nice enough. I I think it's some kind of, you know, pleasius or leftover from the... Paleo Say what? Era. A witch? Please use or Oh, is that I think the, the thing with the long neck and the little the flippers? And somehow it, it gets into Loch Ness from a special compartment. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, where is this? Is this compartment from another dimension? There's an out. Um, it's been suggested that it could possibly be an interdimensional Please, you swore. Wow. <laughs> it's by, by, <laughs> suggested by reliable but, scientists. But the same people that they quoted in the article for the marijuana uh, gummies. No. Yes. And that is This Week in Weird. All right. Uh, so, everybody, we forgot to say this at the beginning, but we are on Facebook. Um, so, get us on Recovery in the Mid- Middle Ages. Leave on- us some stars, please. Just so- a just a handful of stars on the uh, Apple podcast. Apple. It helps people find us. And, yeah. you know, people should find us. People should definitely find us. Tell all your friends and keep listening. We really appreciate it. And um, as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. Have a great week. See you next time. Be good this week. Mm-hmm.